Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Hey, Tom Morrison. Welcome back, brother. Dave Will, my friend. How are you today, man? You know what? I am so excited today because you, we have- You asked me a question. You, you didn't no, even wait for an answer. You got three seconds. How are you doing? Great. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> today, we have a guest that literally changed my life in two sentences on the ski slope. And it was amazing, man. I, I, I kept breaking limbs, concussions. It was just amazing today. What did, he, what did he say to you, Tom? So we're going down the ski slope in, uh, in, in Colorado, and we get down the first run, and we stop, and, and, and Big Mark looks at me and says, um, this was back when he was a CEO of the ski, which we'll get into the ski instructors. He said, um, Tom, would you like some feedback? In that moment, from that guy, I knew that I was doing something drastically wrong because no one asked that question. Yeah, yeah. and by the way, this is when he was the CEO of the Professional Ski Instructors of America and the American Association of Snowboard Instructors, right? Oh, yeah. So when that guy says to you, do you want some feedback? You say, okay, right? Yeah, but hell yeah. Okay. Because my follow-up would be a lawyer would be cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) What, What did he say to you, Tom? He just taught me how to lean into the front ski and don't, I was a back end skier. He taught me how to lean into the front skis and just go for it and let your skis do the work, not your body. And my, my legs, I actually got to the end of the day with no pain in my front thighs, like I've always had. And it was just a great experience to ski after that moment. So I hats off to Mark for saying, do you want some feedback? I think there's a Led Zeppelin song, uh, back end skier, but I could be mistaken. There may be something. So Tom, today we have with us the CEO of the Construction Specifications Institute, previously uh, the executive director of the Professional Ski Institute, Instructors of America and American Association of Snowboard Instructors, uh, the big Mark Dorsey. Not that big. I mean, big in terms of presence. I'm not calling you fat. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, by the way, if you are. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nope. I'm comfortable with my body image. We're good. Welcome, Mark. Thank and, you, and Dave. Tom, Thanks, Tom. Here's the other thing that I, I want to say, and then I think maybe we ought to do a little less talking, a little a lot more question asking. But this is a really cool episode because this is the first in a series of spotlights. And uh, we're doing these uh, executive spotlights. You want to explain what that is? So what came of this, what's exciting is it's a case study because I did a talk a number of years ago called What's Your Uber? About how associations need to find their Uber, that thing that they can own, license, drive value. And, uh, and in the last couple of years, a couple of executives, including Mark, have come out with some incredible technology advances in their associations that a supplier could have came out with, but the association is the taxi cab association failed to do with Uber. These couple of associations have jumped in front of the change and said, you know what, we're going to be the Uber. We're going to be the change. We're going to be the, the disruptor in our industry. And Mark is one of those that has done that. So, you know, I'm excited to ask Mark some great questions to find out how he convinced his board. Cause that's a big challenge. How do you get your board to think like that? Instead of looking at the same things, how do we increase membership? How do we increase meeting attendance? How do we, you know, let's think, Two three hundred thousand dollars in the bank towards a project that we can actually R and D and make our just our value just go crazy. And so, Mark, we're glad to talk. So, so, Mark, tell us a little bit about the Construction Institute and kind of what y'all stand for, where you're headed. 
Sure. Well, first of all, again, Dave, thanks uh, for having me here. And Tom, likewise, um, you know, I, as we're, we're talking about Uber, it's not only what's your Uber, but what happens when you've been Ubered. Right. Know, those changes are inflicted oh, on you. And how does it uh, um, how does that influence where you're headed? So I can't wait to get into that. Um, for the benefit of the audience, uh, CSI is about a 7,000 member uh, organization, but we have a much uh, wider audience and customer base. So uh, what our members do is they specify work products and processes in construction projects. So think about it uh, one way, you know, you, you take a design idea, typically that of an architect or, or the intention of an owner, and you have to translate that into words. Uh, so that you can describe what you're going to do and what you're going to use. And ultimately that gets handed off to uh, a contractor uh, to build a building or a public works project, or frankly, anything to include what we're sitting in right now, our own homes. Um, so our, our folks are uh, very focused on contract documentation, product research, process research, uh, all in the service of uh, ensuring that a, a, a building project comes together on time, on budget, and when handed back to the owner uh, is going to perform uh, or or uh, meet the intent of its useful life. That's what we do. So, or as I said to the board at one point, without you doing what you do, I have no assurance that this building wouldn't fall down around and kill us all where we are right now. So, uh, you know, I can get behind the mission. Uh, we've got We've got some Good folks, and you'll see their work in every walk of life. Hey, can, Tom, can I ask the first question? Go ahead, go ahead. This is just a, in, in a generally speaking, in a podcast, they're meant to be somewhat timeless, but I'm, I'm going to break that rule. It wasn't too long ago, a few months now, that uh, there was a devastating accident in Miami. Yeah. What did your, what did CSI, what role did CSI play? Um, from a, either a PR perspective or like a educational perspective around that event, anything at all, or? Yeah, you know, I mean, that is such um, uh, an, a, a devastating event, but there have been others also. There was a bridge collapse in Florida uh, probably three, four years ago. Uh, and then the Grenfell fire uh, in uh, London or outside of London where the exterior cladding was, was uh, related. And I, I wanna make sure I'm, I'm being careful here, uh, but it, it, some fatalities happened in that fire as well. Um, you know, in, in that regard, what our members do typically is they're looking at what products are used, what products are specified, what can we learn from that, but understand that um, there is a large team of players uh, whether it's the owner making certain calls, the architect making certain calls, our members making certain calls about products and substitution for products. Uh, in some cases, you'll hear the term value engineering, which you can intuit means sometimes doing it cheaper. Um, but uh, And then there's contractors and developers. There's a big, big family. Nobody knows exactly what the root cause of, of this particular failure was. Um, you know, there, there are things you might point to, um, but something developed 30, 40 years ago uh, in, in the environment we're in may react differently over time. So our, our members are going to look at that along with uh, others in the construction space, and they'll weigh in about, you know, how these kinds of things will be preventable 
uh, in the future. But, you know, we then you have things like homeowners associations that have to make decisions about, you know, whether or not uh, needed maintenance uh, is conducted. Um, and, and, you know, by way of, uh, you can't always predict the future. I, I uh, saw a presentation about the uh, Great Alaska Earthquake in 1964, which by the way, for the record, I was there for. Um, and there were buildings that had just been completed and up to code that were devastated in that quake because who would have thought they would have to withstand a nine point on the Richter scale earthquake that lasted for four minutes. You know, wow. so some, some of it is, some of it's nature. Uh, some of it's the world in which we lived in, uh, live in. And, uh, but all, all we can do is uh, look at the materials and the processes at the time. And, you know, now we're 20, 30 years later, talk about how that might be different and what we can do as we're, as we're looking at a rapidly changing environment. And I think no one can doubt that the environment is changing on us. So Mark, let me ask you something. As you were beginning to approach your value, was, was trying to enhance your value proposition a big component of looking at what can we do better to help the industry? Well, you know, in my professional life, that's probably one of the things that I've always looked at. Um, and, you know, tending to look at looking at it as a consumer value proposition, sometimes it's fraught with peril. But the way I try to look at uh, what we do is how does what we do have a positive impact or what change can it affect in the way that we do our daily work? Because uh, after all, that's one of the reasons we're engaged in a professional or trades association. You know, the result is we as society are better, safer or smarter uh, for our work. We right, fill a, right. a different space than uh, government and we fill a different space than the private sector. So when I came into CSI, uh, you know, we, we there during the interview process, we had talked about, well, how do we, you know, uh, what's my digital approach to publications? How do we digitize content? And uh, if you ever see, read any of the work by Gene Ross at MIT, there's a big distinction between digitized and digital. A lot of folks go to digitized. Basically, I take my book, I offer it up to you in a uh, Kindle. That's digitized. Digital is looking at fundamentally new ways of looking at value and how that value is transmitted and it may suggest new products. So what we did at CSI is we went, you know, what one of the things that we offer is we offer the taxonomy of how construction information is organized, which is a long way of saying, think about it like the Dewey de Decimal System or the right. Rosetta Stone. We, we categorize information. We don't necessarily supply the information. And the way that we would give uh, we the way that we promulgated that information was um, if you were an end user, you'd look it up in a book. If you were a software developer and you all may remember when you could buy a development book for C sharp that had a camel on it or a whale. And, you know, there'd be a you might, if you were lucky, get a uh, uh, get a floppy disk. Um, you know, what happened for us is the 90s called and it wanted its development model back. Because that's what we would give to billion-dollar companies or hundred-million-dollar companies to aid their software development, and we said there's got to be a better way. And we started looking not only at it from the standpoint of what data can we supply more easily, uh, because this is licensed content, right? You know, something right. that we charge for to keep it going, and we were getting very little to 
you know, there's not just information, but there's a data play here. So can we, can we find different ways to make it easier for software companies to adopt these standards? And ultimately, is there a, a, an associated flow of data, whether it's specific or anonymized, that can benefit the industry? And we hit on this idea, our board got super excited about it and funded the development. Uh, and we, we went live with this new product called Crosswalk uh, a year ago on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. All right. So, so I love that reference, by the way, that you just said that. The huge takeaway for me was digitized versus digital. Love that. The, the, so let's go back in time a little bit just for context. You haven't yeah. been there that long. How many years now? I'll be six years this coming September. That's longer than I thought. Okay. Uh, that's, that's fast. I actually would have guessed like two or three years. I can't believe. Hey, well, sometimes it feels like that. It's gone yeah. by fast. Okay. So, so six years and six years ago, uh, this yep. whole concept of digitizing or going digital or um, well, regardless, the whole idea of, of, of utilizing the internet better is, mm -hmm. was not new. Can you tell us a little bit about the transition at CSI and why they brought you in? Was, was it a fundamental change in they wanted to make change or did it happen at them? Did somebody retire, somebody quit, or somebody let go so that they could make a change in the industry with you? So um, uh, my predecessor uh, left for a new opportunity about a year before I was hired. And uh, the board had been running itself and going through a search process. And um, during the process, they kind of got down to what we consider to be a fairly traditional uh, decision. Do you go with somebody outside your industry who knows nothing about it? Remember, you know, I was a ski and snowboard person. I wasn't from the industry. My only connection to construction is I'm, I'm awesome with a sawzall and a framing hammer and I can do intense damage to any structure. I but, hope you brought so that I, up in the interview. And by the way, I would also say that you're either a ski person or a snowboard person. You can't be both. Oh yeah, you can be. And some many people are. Uh, right? Plus you could be a cross country skier, telemark skier. Oh yeah. No, no, we're very inclusive in the in the ski and snowboard industry <laughs> from that. Standpoint. All right. Well, that uh, was certainly more than there used to be. Clearly not woke uh, on the on the ski slopes here. Yeah. Uh, so the, um, but when, when we, when we had the conversation about coming aboard, the, the board wanted to know, you know, what could we do to jumpstart education, revive certification, um, you know, increase visibility and where might we go technologically speaking? Well, that was great during the interview process. The problem was when I walked in, uh, like a lot of associations, uh, we had servers and blinking lights sitting in the room. We weren't yet to the cloud, uh, even though, uh, you know, Office 365 was around then. Uh, our website uh, could be down for hours, if not days at a time with the same thing. Internal services went down daily. And so our, our, the staff was exceptionally frustrated with the kind of the state of uh, of the art about where we are. And, and that is not, by the way, in, intending to disparage anyone. Uh, it's kind of where we evolved. And uh, I, you know, I think a, lot, a number of associations 
um, don't don't really pay attention to. Um, well, uh, think about it uh, like maintenance on a building. You know, deferred maintenance is something that a lot of groups kick down the road because oh yeah, we can save for that HVAC system later, um, or we can repave those roads later. But sooner or later, those chickens come home to roost. And so we spent our first two to three years rebuilding our internal capacities so that we could be more effective and efficient with existing processes, which is the digitized element. But in the meantime, we were, uh, Rick Bauckham, our, our CIO and I were talking about, but what would the preferred future for uh, members and customers look like? And what does that end use case look like? And so um, while we might've gotten to it faster, we simply didn't have the capacity to, to uh, put this idea in front of the board. But by the time we did, we'd made enough gains on the internal side uh, that, that we could really begin to play with and explore what, what a digital future would look like. So, um, uh, you know, part of it is, uh, well, it's easy to say, yeah, just go out and be entrepreneurial. You've got to have the capacity and your team has to be in place to be able to act on those opportunities. So we, we spent the first couple of years rebuilding capacity. And then uh, uh, we had about a year of development, year and a half of development uh, and uh, research and, and minimum viable product uh, work to do before going live a year and a half ago. So, you know, frankly, we went from zero to live with this product uh, within under five years of my coming aboard, maybe four. Uh, I, sorry, Tom, I, I, I know you have something you want to ask this, but you just said something that I think is awesome because the original intent of this podcast is to bring entrepreneurship yep. and association uh, and behaviors together. I, I'm, I'm here to represent the entrepreneur and Tom's here to represent the association exec. And you just referenced Minimum Viable Product, which is a reference to a huge book in the world of entrepreneurship called The Lean Startup. And uh, have you have you used that methodology? It sounds like you have. I mean, is that a do you, do you turn to a lot of entrepreneurial philosophies and books to run the association? Yeah, I, I might self-reference as the accidental entrepreneur, but I am. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in sales and marketing and and you know business before I I got into the association space so long ago. But the answer is yes. Um, we use, uh, uh, and again, I credit uh, Rick Bauckham for bringing that, but we use lean methodology wherever we can uh, to talk about processes. There's always room for improvement because, you know, we're, we, we have a lot to execute on, um, but we went through a lean process uh, with this product in particular. Uh, and the other thing that we do is we also, um, we also uh, uh, create a, a, a product portfolio so we can determine uh, which products we, you know, feed, shoot, um, you know, which ones can we be intentional about which things are lost leaders, which ones aren't, uh, because there's some things you, as an association you kind of have to do as a lost leader. Uh, but I try very hard to take an entrepreneurial mindset uh, to product development because what, what we do in that process is we stay focused on the needs of the end user and the end customer. And that gives us room to experiment and our tolerance for failure, at least as a staff, is higher than the average bear. So Mark, so as you come in and you, and you start making all these changes, so especially with this new product line and stuff, talk a little bit about, was there any pushback from board, volunteers and or staff at all in walking down that path? 
you know, I've, I've, I've been privileged to make a lot of changes or be part of a lot of changes at CSI. One of them was a governance change early on, and that doesn't sound very sexy. Um, but, you know, the, the idea of boards being focused on what the outcome is you're trying to create, what's the good you're trying to create for who and at what per worth or priority is really the focus and work of the board. So their job is to envision. Um, strategy is a management discipline. Uh, tactics are a management discipline, as is financial management. So we don't get into a lot of the traditional issues that many boards do get into. The board approves, for example, they sign off on whether my budget plan is reasonable. They don't necessarily sign off on the details of the budget per se. Right. So that's that's a that's a different mindset. Um, and the CSI board, I, I did did some of this work at the uh, ski and snowboard instructors, but the CSI board was so hungry for change because functionally they had managed more like a, a construction company and less like. Um, how are we moving towards our vision? What's evidence of progress towards our vision and mission? And, and, and we shifted the emphasis from what we all see as fiduciary responsibilities, uh, more towards strategy and much more towards generative what-if conversations. For the record, boards have to play in all three of those areas to be responsible, but uh, oftentimes boards overemphasize fiduciary and underemphasize direction. So once we got on the same page there, and they were hungry for this, by the way, I've, I've often said they were the gasoline. I was just the match. Right. Uh, they wanted to make that change. So we went from zero to that change in nine months. That created a different mindset or fostered a mindset they were already eager to engage in. I didn't make them do anything, but I think for anyone listening, it's really more tapping into where, you know, where the board's pain points and what do they want to be and, and move towards that and, and then look for opportunities, whether it's completely different or within your existing um, uh, existing product line to say, here could be a something new or something different. And because their mindset had changed and because we'd had so much success on the internal side, we came to them with a pro forma and a you know, three, four year plan that says, if you want to invest in this, here's what your ROI looks like. Dave, this would be really familiar to you. Um, they, we, we were looking at different stages of investment. Our first round of funding looks like X. Here's what we expect to be the result. If you like the result, we'll probably come back to you for a second round of funding. And uh, it was a very exploratory what if set of conversations, which got the board very excited because they get to be part of something forward thinking and visionary. And it was enough to kind of counterbalance a natural, and as you can appreciate, a natural tendency of our particular members, but um, uh, often boards in general to be very, very specific about, well, how many pencils are you buying? What's the ROI going to look like? Um, so it, it was more balanced. And uh, once that energy took hold in the room, there was no stopping it. So my big question after hearing all that is what impact looking now back five years and now it's been around for a year live, what impact has it had on driving your value to another level and membership growth and revenues to the association? So um, uh, I want to go back to the pushback question because it relates to this. And one of the pushbacks yeah. is crosswalk is not 
something you as a member go out and buy. It's an ingredient. So it'd be more like selling uh, an application that goes into or uh, code that goes into your Word document, right? You, you're going to see the effect of it as an end user. You're not going to go buy it. Who, who buys this product, who licenses this product are design and contracting software vendors. So we might sell it in the software space that would be an Autodesk or Procore, the folks that design buildings and design uh, and implement big projects. Um, the, the other thing that I, I'm gonna push back on gently is we don't talk in terms of members. I know that's heresy. We talk in terms of customers and members are super customers because otherwise I think we um, inadvertently and often slip into the idea of the Costco model. In order to get access to all the goodness, I have to buy this card that makes me a member so I can get the discount program. Now, granted, that's a pretty simple value proposition. Um, it's more complex for an association. What we were having trouble with is the, the standards that I referenced were the de facto organizing principles in the construction industry since the 50s. I mean, that's why we came around, really, since the 60s and 70s. But uh, people resented any licensing. It was very little licensing to begin with. We were losing uh, touch and feel with uh, because we didn't have licensing revenue and revenues were down. We, we couldn't really afford to keep up with those standards. People were starting to do them on their own. Um, and we went, you know, we're, we're actually here to enable an entire industry to be more effective and efficient, not just the members. The members are the ones that actually contribute to that benefit to the entire industry. Um, but we were more like a dusty old Buick and my apologies to any Buick drivers out there. And uh, by creating Crosswalk and presenting it the way that we did, if you looked at the CSI website and the Crosswalk website, they look very different. Um, CSI will catch up, but Crosswalk is very different. And so we go from being a Buick to, let's just say more a Porsche, maybe a Porsche Cayenne, you know, a little bit of family. I was thinking more Tesla, Mark. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. crossing the chasm. I mean, you've, you've shifted the mentality completely. You're doing something that most associations don't do. There's, there's, uh, there's one other association I can think of that's getting into creating something to help the industry at this level. Yep. That's NCARB um, uh, Architects uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Board. I uh, can't remember the exact acronym. National Council of Architectural Registration Boards. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And they have a product to help a project management and, and it, it, it's absolutely awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go with Tesla on that one. You know, I, I appreciate the upgrade. Uh, I really do because, man, zero to 60 in a Tesla is, oof, that is something else. Um, <laughs> you know, where, where um, you, were, you were headed with that, Tom, is that the overnight, that change in reputation meant that we were all of a sudden invited to some of the other cool kids' parties. Mm -hmm. We were, we, now we're engaged with other associations that, really thought that we were behind the times uh, and much bigger associations also. Um, we get asked to speak on um, the future of construction and design technology, whereas we could never get an invite to that ever. We would never be part of that conversation. Uh, and we're starting to get pick up in um, uh, industry 
uh, magazines and associations pretty frequently. So reputationally, it's it's been a, a plus. Um, our licensing revenue has gone up. It's not absurd. One of the things that's been interesting is we're getting more play from startup software companies in the construction space than the big ones. Um, but I believe in the 80-20 rule, if 80% of the market are the small smaller groups, they can serve them just fine. It's always nice to get the big you know, luxury home run hit, but we can win through a series of singles. Right, so right. Uh, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing an upward trajectory in revenue. We're seeing an up, uh, and, and it, it, it all falls into what we're trying to do with CSI, which is to create a stronger sense of community, uh, to elevate our profession, and to be a center for innovation. Those are the three principles um, that we're focused on. And Crosswalk hits all three of those things. So let's take it down because I know we're, we're getting close to end time here. So I want to kind of drill it down for, the, for our listeners. Is Tom, just, end time is a construct, man. We could go all day long. We could. We could. But, but Mark, and I, and I would like to because I love this stuff. So Mark, for our listeners out there, kind of share what your thoughts are on how do you start this conversation with your board? You know, you, you know, you're running a little bit behind times. You got to catch up with disruption. You want to be in front of that. Cause I'm a big believer that people that stay in front of change are never disrupted as long as they're willing to stay just in front of it. So, I mean, how do you get people to, to have that conversation? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I do. And uh, certainly the, uh, partnership with the CEO and the board chair or president is critical in, in what I'm about to say. Um, our, our board meeting agendas um, have not only gotten effective and efficient, but we, we start with generative conversations, the, the what if. So if, uh, if you've ever read the book, Governance is Leadership, uh, the lead author is Chait, C-H-A-I-T. They talk about this idea. We, we spend more time framing questions about the future, about what if. Uh, we're intentional about saying to the board, your subject matter expertise is one thing that the staff does not have. Even if we do have it, we don't have it. Um, that you are the heart and soul of the organization and can talk mo uh, most authentically about trends in the organization, what the future looks like, and help inform uh, whether it's a group of volunteers, a group of staff, or both, uh, about what we might do. And we spend a whole lot less time talking about the solutions, because often the solutions have to be vetted by staff. So rather than debating whose solution is right, we start more conversation about where do we want to go, what do we want to be, and it all boils down to those, those three questions I talked about earlier. What's the good we're trying to create? for who, at what worth or priority. And when the board is bought into that, it's amazing what opens up because now we're, we're, we're speaking to the things that they own and they know, and we do that in partnership. And then as staff, we are then empowered and free to go develop alternatives and solutions because that board's only got eight, you know, six to eight days a year with us. They can't manage the company. Right. So that's the shift. The more time, it, if you look at an agenda and most of the agenda time is spent on fiduciary stuff, the chances are pretty good. That's where their attention is. And they're not looking up and out. And when they, when they, once they get the feel of how cool it is to look up and out, get out of the way, man. 
how were you able to measure the success of this pro let me ask a different question how did you measure the success of this program so um it and it's it's changed um <clears throat> uh, so philosophically the board sets um they set where we want to be in general terms i as the ceo interpret those things and then I offer up what measures of success might be as evidence of progress. That's true for everything we do. Specific to this, um, we went through, uh, uh, when Rick was envisioning it, we worked with people that, first of all, we work with people that aren't from the association. So our lead product person is actually from the construction and technology space. Uh, Rick's background uh, was in big time telecom and uh, data centers and managed services. So we bring in people that have uh, outside expertise in the marketplace. Um, the people that we brought together uh, identified, uh, you know, key players in the industry and with CSI, and that's one of the things we bring to the table. And we identified about 20, 25 different organizations and people to talk about what the what the uh, uh, product might look like. So success one, could we articulate a clear vision for the product? That's That was one measure. Second measure is once we went to a minimum viable product, was there a there there? But we had to get the board to say, we need enough of an investment. Are you willing to take a risk to get to a minimum viable product? But there was a decision point, yes or no. When we got the product out, we went to hackathons, for example. We went to universities. We, I mean, we, we just tried different variations. And we got enough sense from each of those players because some of them are also customers. So, you know, there's a, a little quid pro quo for being in the R&D. Um, initially, we thought we were going to do uh, uh, generate revenue based on calls from this API. Instead, we just went with a straight licensing play. We, we knew what our old target was. We knew where it was going. And uh, our licensing in the first year is... Uh, five-fold more than it was the prior year. And our target is four times that in the coming year. So there's a financial target. Uh, we have PR targets. Uh, we're tracking who are you invited to talk to, what kinds of organizations are coming to talk to us, and what conversations do they want to be in. So um, those are, we, we have PR, and, uh, uh, PR targets. Uh, we have uh, sales targets. Uh, and those things are evaluated uh, on a quarterly basis by a, uh, a board of managers. So for the record, we established a separate LLC. CSI is the only member of the LLC. I chair the board of managers, and then we have a lead product person. That's exactly what NCARB did when they created their other their software tool yep. as well. Hey, Tom, do you, do, can we jump into that wrap-up question we always do, or yeah. is there something yeah. else you want to oh. dig into? No, I, I, that's good. I think Mark great. did a great job unpacking what we wanted him to unpack today. Yeah, it, yeah, really appreciate it. And, and this is one of these things where it's, I think, Tom, it's really tough to take uh, something this um, uh, interesting, but this uh, this this fairly complex of building, rolling out a new product and summarize it into a 30 minute conversation when we have my stupid jokes and then like introductions and stuff. And like, really, you're down to about 10 minutes of real conversation. Mark, what we do at the end of each one of these podcasts is uh, we ask the guest and Tom and I to uh, to give your number one takeaway, 
Like what, what is the thing in this conversation that was, that is kind of like an epiphany, a light to you, or maybe it's something you said that you want to emphasize. And, and so we'll give you a second. Tom and I will go first. Tom, you want to go or you want me to? I got one. All right. You go ahead and go first. You go All right. Again. So the thing that I, that's still ringing with me is this concept of your answer in that interview, your, your interview there in terms of the, the publication where you said, well, there's a difference between digitized and digital. And I think it's awesome because it it talks about, I'm a process guy, right? I'm constantly trying to look at how things are done and how could they be done better. And that's exactly the crux of the difference between digitized and digital. Digital is doing something better. Digitized is just doing the same thing and electrifying it. So that was a great takeaway for me. What about you, Tom? So for me, it goes more of the governance stuff that Mark talked about of instead of wasting your time talking a lot on financials and the stuff going on in the association member attendance and how things are going, spend more of your time at the board level up front talking about the what ifs, talking about how are we going to be doing business in five years, 10 years, and what does that mean to us? And can we step in as an association and build value and solutions for, for our core, for our group of people in the industry to make a difference? So that's my big takeaway is that is to really kind of shift that conversation more because as you do more what ifs, great things can happen because somebody says something that no one else is thinking like, Oh my gosh, well, let's expand on that. So I, I love that concept of spending a lot of front end work in the board meeting. And we're going to start doing that in January at our, when our, pre, our new president comes in. I, I love that. That's great. And Tom, just to pick up on that point real quickly. Um, one of the things it's done is it places a premium to brief themselves on the fiduciary work so that more of their face-to-face -face time is spent creating which is, it's not that they don't do the fiduciary work, it's just they do it differently. Um, my takeaway is I think, you know, from the, and, and Dave, to your point also, um, you know, Tom, you kicked off with what's your Uber. And I also said, what happens if you're Ubered? Because certainly the pandemic has crushed uh, a lot of the, the Uber model. And so, um, you know, I, I'd say be open, be open to changes or anticipated changes in the ether and uh, not so quick to uh, consider that change as the enemy. And the example I wanted to use is actually does go back to the, my ski instruction days. There was a change in how skis were physically made, the technology that uh, changed the design, engineering, and uh, performance of a ski that came as an influence from snowboarding. If snowboarding didn't happen, this technology would not have been possible at the time to produce. And what happened is skis became easier to turn. And the old school folks said, well, you're not using as much of your muscle and you're not having to change. You know, they debated the turn and they lost sight of the, but is it easier for the customer? The, the company that pioneered that in the US was outside our traditional pool of sponsors and advisors. And we found a way to bring them in without ticking everybody off. Well, it ruffled a few feathers. But this change was so important that it was one of those that um, I can tell you that our leadership, the, the on snow leadership resisted mightily. And within six months of this new technology coming out, others on, in, outside the industry were saying, how come you haven't gotten there fast enough? And had we not brought them in at the time that we did, we might've been years behind instead of not only contemporary, being contemporary, but leading the conversation. So, um, you know, not all change is bad. And I think if you're in leadership, you have to be able, you have to be willing 
to give um, those uh, those those changes time to evolve and keep an open mind. I Mark, I I loved having you on. It's this is and and I love the references to the ski and snowboarding instructors uh, as well. Uh, man, we could do a whole podcast on that. I think, um, Tom. Uh, great idea. Tom, Tom uh, had the idea of bringing you on and knew a little bit about what, what you're doing over there at CSI. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. This actually got me thinking about NCARB. I think we need to have our friend G Ortiz over here into the podcast as well. So we'll be, we'll, we'll be hearing about a little bit more about what we reference there. Mark? You know what, you know what excites me today about being with Mark is because I was at an ASA meeting when Mark was just talking to me about, hey, I think I got this opportunity to switch. And so to, that was six and That's a half years ago. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I was at a table outside. We just said, he says, I want to talk to you about something. We were talking about stuff. So to, I love being a part of colleagues' lives when you get to see when they started and thought about the process and then made the switch. And now to see where he's come in CSI made a huge difference in that industry and that organization. So it's exciting for me because I was I, I've been there from the beginning and I always loved hanging out and talking to Mark. Well, you know, Tom, something we didn't even touch on is originally back in the day, I met Mark through you and a group of people when we would meet up before or after great ideas in Colorado. Yeah. And and Mark, you live in Colorado, right? Uh, I, well, I live in Virginia and these days I'm hanging out in Santa Fe. So it's just a five hour drive away. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, so did you live in, in Colorado or was, is that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did. Uh, I lived uh, 26, 27 years there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when, and when you were at the ski and snowboard instructors yep. uh, association, that was not at all what it's called, by the way, it's just too long for me to say right now. Right. But <laughs> the, when you were there, you were living in Colorado. So before or after great ideas every year, we would get a group of us together and we enjoy the resorts and go skiing for a couple days. And that's yep. where I met you, Mark. But yep. uh, it, gosh, that just feels like it was a couple years ago. Uh, that's yeah. stunning to me how much time has gone by. All right. Well, thank you so much. Looking forward to hearing the live uh, version of this and getting the feedback. Mark, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, we have two listeners, Tom's wife and my wife. If one of them wants to get in touch with you, how could they, <laughs> <laughs> how could they, how could they reach you? Uh, easy way is LinkedIn. I'm pretty accessible that way. Or uh, drop me an email, mdorsey at csinet.org. Those are, uh, those are the easiest ways. All right. That's and Mark thank Dorsey. you guys both for having me on. Uh, really appreciate the time. So Dorsey's D-O-R-S-E-Y, D-O-R-S-E-Y. Thank you so much, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorson.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already, and don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.